a la kissing. But then you hit record and you're out the door anyway. Our whole relationship is a CD skipping away. Crush on the ray. Uh, uh, you just shattered yourself horse at Primus last night. I'm, uh, <laughs> I just, uh, woke up because I was recovering from the rock that is Primus. And, uh, I got home from Boston last night uh, around one thirty in the morning and, uh, passed out in my clothes with the lights on and <laughs> <laughs> neglected to set an alarm. And then I happened to pick up my phone uh, this morning and see that it was 10 minutes after noon. And uh, so then I cursed, and here I am. <clears throat> so I apologize about my tardiness. Quite all right. It gave uh, Matt and me a chance to test out my, my new hardware. Yeah, you sound good. I, I would hope so. I, I spent enough money on this damn thing. What did you get? Uh, the Blue Snowball. Ah. Uh-huh. Yep. Yeah. yeah, this thing is No huge. relation to the Blue Yeti? No, same company, but yeah, this thing is huge. It's like a giant billiard ball in my face, only shiny, mm. shiny metal. <laughs> That's cool. Mm-hmm. I like that it actually looks kind of old style too. Yeah. So, I'm I'm very glad. It, we're now like an honest to god professional podcast. No cheesy, crappy USB mics or wireless headsets for me anymore. Ugh! Finally. <laughs> Matt, you're very quiet for me. Oh, I'm gonna let me turn me up. Uh, how about now? That's better. Yeah. So, <clears throat> is this the show? Sure. Why <laughs> is this not? What people do in for. So should we talk about should we talk about the Primus show because I feel like that's relevant. Yes. Yeah. Oh, it's absolutely. Always re- relevant. Okay. What a, that word that you said. Yes. Um, relevant. So this was the Primus 3D tour. And uh, so basically what that means is they had a massive um, video screen on the on the stage. And uh, you got 3D glasses when you went in. And they also featured, I think it was called quad stereo sound or something. So they had speakers going like all the way along the sidewalls, um, all the way up to the back. Um, the 3D was pretty good. It wasn't like, you know, earth shattering, but it was a nice touch. And uh, I'm sure made the show extra enjoyable for those that were under the influence of certain stimulants. And, um, I didn't really notice the quad stereo sound very often, but, um, you know, it still sounded good. And the show itself was excellent. Uh, they're doing two sets this tour and they're pulling out a lot of the rarities, um, some much more obscure songs than they're used to playing. And, uh, Matt, you might appreciate this being a fan of antipop. They actually played, Dirty Drowning Man for the first time ever. Oh, cool. Um, which was pretty awesome. And, uh, yeah, so it was great. It was um, very fun. They played for about two hours and 20 minutes, um, an hour and 10 minutes for the first set, and they played, they had a 20-minute set break, and they played three Popeye cartoons uh, on the video screen. And then they played for another hour, and then they had a 10-minute encore. So that was pretty good. My only complaint uh, was that the encore was Hamburger Train, which is also new that they're playing this tour, which is awesome. And But then the last song that they played in the encore was Here Come the Bastards. And for me, Here Come the Bastards is not a final song of the encore song. It's like a, a first or second song of the show. Yeah. Um, kind of an anticlimactic closer. But So I could have used one more song after that. But overall, excellent. Totally worth the trip. And uh, the Orpheum Theater in, in Boston, very nice. I don't go up to Boston very often. So it was a, it was a good time. Cool. Yeah. That sounds like an awesome show. And yeah, it's like, cause I remember I like, uh, cause I don't think they're actually like hitting Seattle on, on the uh, 3d tour, mm. which makes me sad. But, um, I do like the, uh, the, Oh, uh, the, uh, little warning thing about, um, that there's like, uh, 3d and strobes. And if you're starting to feel sick, just take your glasses off and don't throw up on your neighbor. Yeah. <laughs> Enjoy the show. 
Were the Popeye the cartoons 3D effified, or were they just normal? They were not 3D, no. Ah. They, uh, they were 2D, I suppose. I heard they were going to so, do 3D Popeye cartoons, but I don't know. I don't know. Most of the 3D was like, um, you know, like, because there were kind of like two different types of video. There was like film, film stuff, like um, things that they filmed for the different songs. Uh, and then there, the 3D stuff was mostly like screensaver type stuff, if that makes sense. Mm. So um, bubbles or Christmas ornaments for Jillies on Smack or big blocks of cheese um, and uh, magic eye type stuff that was swirling around. So it was pretty cool. It sounds similar to uh, without the 3D, uh, what Devo was doing on their on their current tours, where like the first few songs has actual video, mm-hmm. uh, including some stuff with live action, and yeah. and then after that first set, that everything just comes more like screensaver graphics, but good screensaver graphics. Yeah, right. <clears throat> I, I just so anyway, I, I love a good visual show. Yes. Yeah. Yeah, last night I didn't see music. I went to see uh, the improvised Philip K. Dick, uh, improv co- yeah improv comedy show with a Philip K. Dick dystopian sci-fi future aesthetic. That could either be really awesome or really terrible. Well, it was really awesome. Good, <laughs> but I mean, yes. you know what I mean. It's it sounds like one of those things that are, it could either be like really really cool and really work, or just be like a bunch of people going like, "Look, it's Valis! Hi, Valis!" <laughs> Uh, this is no, they managed to make it work because they didn't like deliberately go Philip K. Dick references, but it was mm-hmm. just like yeah, the Philip K. Dick vibe, you know, evil corporations, dystopian science fiction future. Uh, the first sketch ended up being about sentient colors that people ate as food, and it was it, it's hard to explain, but you, you had to have been there. Mm-hmm. Kind of a cool idea, though. Mm-hmm. Kind of like uh, the um, the the cave. Uh, in uh, Sirens of Titan by Vonnegut with the, uh, where they're kind of like stingrays on the wall of the uh, the uh, the cave and all. Huh. I'm being totally coherent here, but if, you, if you've read the book, you know what I'm talking about. Uh, if, you haven't, if you haven't, you should read the book because it's awesome. I haven't read enough. I haven't read a whole lot of Vonnegut. Uh, he's on my list, though. Mm-hmm. Uh, I, I was actually yeah. getting more shades of Douglas Adams, you know, the little th- throwaway bit in the first Hitchhiker's book with the uh, hyper-intelligent shade of the color blue. Oh, yes. <laughs> I just put the set list for last night in the show notes, Matt, if you want to check it out. And Rich, you can actually look at it, too. <laughs> okay. I'm probably not going to know most of it because I'm, I'm not the, the big pirate, the big Primus guy, so. Yeah. I do like that they, they like, that. Like I think, like, uh, Hello Skinny has pretty much been in their set list since the beginning, pretty much, I think. <laughs> yeah, they've been covering it for, uh, for quite a while, one of a handful of of uh, associated resonance tunes. Yeah, and it was nice. It was a full version. Cool, not just Sweet. a little tease. I, I have heard their cover of Hello Skinny, and that is a damn good cover. Mm-hmm. Yeah, uh, yeah. This actually looks like a really good set. Yeah, it is very nice. The uh, the upright set in the first set <laughs> was uh, was very nice, and then um, Spaghetti Western is one of my favorites. And uh, I'm a big Harold fan, mm-hmm. especially the closer. And then Return of Sathington Willoughby is one of the songs that they pulled out of the archives for this tour. So that was very cool because that, um, you know, they hadn't been playing that since the Brown Album tour, uh, during which I was not a fan back in 98. Um, I didn't even know they existed, I don't think. And um, the, that version of Southbound Pachyderm was just extraordinary for some reason, just the, the jam and everything. And then... My only, um, like I said, my only complaint was a little, kind of seemed to be a little anticlimactic. Because, like, I like my my sets to end with, like, a, a monster song. Like, Herald of the Rocks is, like, a monstrous track. Yeah. That's a good, a good set closer. But, like, finishing with Jerry, meh, it's kind of, you know, kind of anticlimactic. And then finishing with Bastards in the Encore is kind of also anticlimactic. But what are you going to do? Mm-hmm. Complain. Yell, mm-hmm. yell, yell at Les Claypool and say, play one more song. And have him not hear you because he's probably got monitors and shit. Yeah. Well, they finished at, they came on at 8.10, and then the last note of Here Come the Bastards was at 10.50. So I was like, oh, they've got, they must have 10 more minutes. If the curfew is at 11, maybe they'll do one more. But nope. House lights came up. Aw. Mm. 
Saddest moment of any. Saddest moment of almost any concert. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Was there an opener or was it just uh, just Primus? Nope, an evening with Primus. Awesome. Yes. I mean, I and like got- openers too, but I mean, it's sometimes it's just like fun because then they, you do you don't like eat up time with another band. It's just you know. Yeah, and the timing was really nice, and the Orpheum Theater is assigned seating, so we didn't have to deal with any mosh pits or anything like that. Awesome. Uh, we were up fairly close. We must have been like 10 rows back, maybe 15 in the orchestra, um, centered, and we got there at 8 o'clock, walked in, sat down, and the show started at 8.10, so it was great. Cool. Yeah. I'm seeing uh, Nouvelle Vague next week, which should be kind of fun. They are... Yeah, I- uh, yeah, I, I I like their albums. I've never seen them live, but yeah, I haven't checked out any of their albums. I just check, checked out songs on YouTube. But they do mostly they do covers of new wave and post punk and punk songs uh, as French bossa nova music, which is really cool. Yeah, this was my way to celebrate getting a, getting a job. So Woo-hoo. yeah, I have it's Irving Plaza, which is not my favorite venue, but might be better suited for a show like that. Yeah, Irving Plaza is not bad. It's you know tiny. It's not a, it's it's not a bad venue, but it's not like you know, the awesomest place in the world. Yeah, it's it's a little tiny. Stage is a little cramped, but you know, it, it's in Manhattan. There's not a lot of room there. <laughs> yeah. So, um, yeah, I'm also going to uh, see a show of Friends Band in Brooklyn next week. Um, so that that that'll be kind of cool too. Very nice. Yeah. Are you, Are you going to plug the band or? Yeah, uh, they're called Some Awful Bridge. And they are New York-based, and uh, I'll throw a link to them in the show notes, but the only complaint I have with them so far is that their band website is all Flash-based, mm. and I just, you know, that, that infuriates me on a, on a very personal level. Yeah, I'm, I'm not really a fan of that style of web design. It, like, it, it may look cool or whatever, but I don't know, it just goes like, it's too much bullshit, I just want text. Text and pictures, like like we had back in you know the old days of nineteen aught ninety five. Text and pictures is the way that God intended it. Maybe a table. Well, I'm all fancy. Well, I'm all into the CSS now and uh, and you know the JavaScript and all that. So yeah, back it, it, in my I'm, day, people tried to use frames. We run them out of town. Ooh, <laughs> frames are bad. If you if you're if you're using frames in this day and age, there, there's just no hope for you. <laughs> so that's the uh, HTML joke portion of the show. Yes, yes. <laughs> and I guess that's as good as enough of a segue as we can to talking about our our picks. Indeed. Uh, yes, so, I don't remember what order we did this in last time. So I don't know. Anyone want to volunteer? Um, I kind of talked a lot about Primus already, so somebody else can go. Matt? Okay. Uh, for one, I just have to say that I really liked this week because, like, I not only did I have all the albums already, but I actually, like, really liked all the albums already, so it was like, yay, I, I can, I, you know, I don't have homework this week. <laughs> <laughs> I, just, I just called it homework yesterday to a friend of mine. <laughs> I mean, at least it's good homework. It's, you know, it's like, you know... You're 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 assigned to read like a book you really like or something, but it's still it's still homework, you know. But um, my um, my assignment for y'all this week was um, Christy McCall and her album Titanic Days, um, and I, I I figured you'd you'd like Christy McCall like not only because she is awesome, but also um, we we talk about Steve Lillywhite a lot on this podcast because. That's just the the type of nerds that we are that we we talk about Steve Lillywhite a lot. <laughs> I, I don't know how many other podcasts can say that, you know. Higher Steve Lillywhite content than most. But um she was uh um married to him for a while and he uh was sort of a a booster of her career as well like basically like pulling her in on a lot of sessions like including uh the uh probably whatever most famous is uh the duet with uh, Shane McGowan on uh, the Pogues fairy tale in New York. So, because um, that was produced by Steely Lee White. And yeah. And, but um, she's, she was very talented. She's dead now, unfortunately, because some, like, and this is like complete bullshit. And there's actually like a, a thing on there uh, that you can look up for uh, Justice for Kirsty. Um, 
she was in uh she lived in cuba for the last part of her life and she ended up saving her son from being run over by a boat run by a um basically a super rich asshole who wasn't paying attention um killed her and then blamed it on like one of the servants so Damn. yeah so like um fuck rich people <laughs> mm. um, but um at least that that type of rich person but um anyway though she was um a brilliant singer brilliant songwriter um just all around really super talented i don't know why she wasn't as huge as she should have been um but she did also write um tracy Ullman's hit they don't know so that was like one of her other kind of big hits even though uh it wasn't under her name it was you know because tracy Ullman sang it but i think she sang back up on there as well as having written the the dang thing but anyway um titanic days uh, i believe titanic days is kind of the divorce album and it's a really good one and she wrote a lot of it with johnny marr and including uh the hook which i'm pretty sure i chose um uh can't stop killing you i believe is that, is yep. that what I, okay yes. good it, it was a while ago so i i don't even know anymore i'm just like and the thing is all the tracks on that album are really good so it was kind of an arbitrary like hook pick so here you go, arbitrary hook. Can't stop killing you. So yeah, uh, really great song, really great like Johnny uh, Johnny Marr like guitar on there, um, you know, kind of dark lyrically, but like oh, she, you know, she's always had like kind of a darker edge, but also a, a a funny edge. I mean that that one is not terribly funny, but I mean there's also like one of her early songs was um, uh, there's a guy who works down the chip shop swears he's Elvis, and the hook of it is a uh, guy works down the chip shop swears he's Elvis, just like you swore to me that you'd be true. Uh, guy works on the chip shop, sort of Elvis. I know he's a liar, but I'm not sure about you. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, one of the her best songs is uh, "Teenager in Love," which is a uh, I'm 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 just a lonely alcoholic teenager in love, and it's basically about like this really horrible relationship with like this kind of thug, but her parents don't approve, and so she's like basically drinking herself to death at sixteen. <laughs> But it's funny, <laughs> yeah, mainly because it's got like this, like really kind of upbeat, you know, the, the the music does not match the lyrical content, and and that juxtaposition creates humor in the ears of the listener. Mm. I'm a sucker for songs like that. Yeah, um, hence basically our big they might be giants collections. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> that's kind of it's kind of their thing. <laughs> but anyway, though, um, what what do y'all think of Christy McCall? I was uh, very surprised. This was not what I was expecting from you. Uh, then again, I should know not to really have expectations about what you're going to throw at us. <laughs> I mean, 23 episodes, and you know, I should know better by now. <laughs> at least I try to. I try to do stuff that's good. I mean, that that that's hopefully the through line. I know it doesn't always work in, in you know certain cases, but <laughs> and this was uh, it's definitely a little out of my wheelhouse. I don't really go for like the pop vote. For lack of a better term, pop vocalists. I mean, because this isn't... It, it's not pop in the sense that it's radio pop, but it's, it is definitely popular-style music. Does that make any sense? Yeah, yeah, she she sings pretty. She sings pretty. She does have a great voice. Um, I didn't know that was Johnny Marr on guitar. Yeah, he's uh, all over that record, actually. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Proof that he was the only one in the Smiths worth a shit. Uh, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I, I, I was... I'm going to go to a Morrissey concert and sneak in a big-ass turkey leg and just stand in the front row and eat it. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. What's the, there's a uh, Robert Smith quote where it's like uh, something like where like, um, I don't eat meat because I hate animals. I hate I eat meat because I fucking hate Morrissey. <laughs> something <laughs> like that. It's like, yes. Yeah. <laughs> uh, anyway, that's that's off topic. But uh, yeah. 
So this was this was a, a pleasant surprise. A sad story behind the record. Uh, I, I didn't notice the divorce record. I just like looking at Christy McCall and finding out that yeah, she died trying to push her kid out of the way of some asshole's boat. And yeah, th- it's a it's a really good record. I I, uh, I really should spend a little more time with it. But she's just got she does have a lovely voice. Uh, the playing on this is very good. Uh, again, it's just it this again. It's it, it's still outside of my wheelhouse. It's not the sort of stuff I normally go to listen to but um i might have to try getting more into this kind of music cool and they finally um for the very first time they, they're releasing her first album on cd uh called desperate character and that's the one that has a uh, chip shop and teenager in love in fact and that one's used a lot more country yeah because i know i had there's a guy down at the chip shop who swears he's all this i think it was on one it was the mix cd with the long titles yeah yeah yeah, pray for my TV show. Yeah, all the titles are really long. And don't talk to me about long titles. <laughs> <clears throat> yeah, well, there's a on that, on that same big CD. There is uh, a uh, at least one Stuff Jan Stevens song off of Illinois. Yeah. Uh, yeah, they are night zombies. They are neighbors. They have come back from the dead, and the title actually goes on from there, doesn't it? <laughs> <laughs> I think I think you just missed the ah. <laughs> yeah. oh, okay. Um. So I listened to this record yesterday, actually, on my way home from from Boston with uh, my friend Michelle, and it didn't quite land for me in the same way that it landed for Rich. I agree with you guys that she does sing pretty, and I thought it was um, very nicely produced and i even liked a lot of the instrumentation um but for me there just wasn't too much to really grab onto i felt like the lyrically it was kind of um simple actually like you know car and bar and like you know i didn't feel like i was joking uh we were joking that she wasn't really reaching for uh for her rhymes you know in her lyrics um you know, it didn't offend me in any way, but it just didn't, I didn't really find much to inspire me to come back. It kind of just, you know, it was pleasant enough, but nothing, nothing really earth shattering uh, for me personally. Well, and also too, I imagine it must be kind of weird going from Primus to uh, Kirsty. <laughs> that is true. Although, you know, you have to, uh, after you have two and a half hours of, of Primus, you have to uh, listen to something to counterbalance uh you know, mood wise. So, um, when I put it on, it was, it was quite soothing, but you know, we got a, a few tracks into it and we listened to can't stop killing you, uh, a couple of times. And it was, we were like, all right, I think, I think that's enough of, uh, of Kirsty. So, oh, well, fair enough. <laughs> yep. Yeah. I, like I said, it's something I have to go back to, and I know I should go back to, but it's, it's again, it's, it's out of my wheelhouse. To use our our, our, our pet term, mm. Mm. and if, to let you rush up your voice, I guess I'll take the next one. Okay. Yeah. Uh, my my pick this week is the 1985 album by uh, New Order, Low Life. Um, New Order is if anyone is not familiar, which they may be. Um, New Order is the band that uh, formed after Joy Division and the suicide of their vocalist, Ian Curtis. Joy Division released two amazing records of post-punk music. Their big hit uh, released, I think it was like right after Ian Curtis hung himself, was uh, Love Will Tear Us Apart Again. And they decided that uh, they would go on as a band without Ian. Uh, They they changed their name to New Order. They brought on one of the guitar players' uh, girlfriend as a keyboard player. And... Over the course of three albums, evolved from basically sort of an extension of Joy Division with a little more keyboards to a almost a full-fledged synth-pop act. And uh, Low Life is really the, the first album of their true synth-pop period. And uh, it's also one of my favorites by them. Um, so it, it's, it's one of those albums where it's hard to pick a hook, but I'm going to go with uh, The Perfect Kiss, which, if you pay attention to the lyrics, have nothing to do with kissing. And let's hear a little of that right now.
you know, th there's not really a bad cut on low life, um, but uh, some of them are just are better than Love Vigilantes actually was covered by Iron and Wine a while back. I actually haven't heard that cover, but I really should. Uh, Sunrise Elegy is just an amazing instrumental subculture. You know, if you've ever had a lonely night, that's the, that's one you'll and, and we can all relate to. Um, and the version I provided also had some that's uh, a bonus disc of remixes and stuff. So there was that. The uh, seventeen and a half minute version of Elegia is you know when you when you really want it that that's hits the spot basically. So I love this record. It is a classic, and I. I know Matt likes it, but I'd love to know what uh, you both. But I'd like to know just you know, the more details. Talk, talk <laughs> it up. <laughs> well, um, I enjoyed it, but here's what I need to ask you guys: being connoisseurs of the the eighty synth pop, um, which is consequently out of my wheelhouse, how do you distinguish between these different albums and artists? Because, like, I put this on and you know enjoyed it well enough. But it sounded like, I mean, I'm not a fan, so probably that's why. But like, it just all of these kind of synth pop acts kind of blend together for me. Because I mean, you know, how many different synth sounds can you get? And um, a and lot, that sort actually. Of thing. So like, how how do you distinguish like what makes this synth pop record better or not as good or equally as good as other synth pop records? Because for me, it's just kind of this big overarching cloud of keyboards and and synthetic sounds. Mm -hmm. um, well, for me, with, well, New Order tends to have a very, a much darker sound to them, even. Okay. Um, and it's also, there's also the lyrics. Um, yeah, I'm, I'm a big lyrics person, so mm -hmm. I, I pay close attention to that. Um, and lyrics on Low Life are, are generally really good. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, that, and also, you know, you know, some, some synth pop bands air towards more like rough, like harder at harder sounds, like um, mm -hmm. the more industrial stuff. Then there's uh, bands like, well, early Devo, which used more weird sounds, like kind of like spacey sounds, like it, stuff that's really not meant to, in, to sound anything like a real instrument. Yeah. But I mean, I guess it's just like you know, paying attention and like knowing what you're getting into. You know, we are connoisseurs, as it were, I suppose. Right. But yeah, that you gotta like focus on stuff it's i love the sound of synthesizers i love the range that you can get out of them and i know what mm -hmm. one, one it's a honest to god it's a legit complaint that a lot of 80s synth pop sounds similar mm -hmm. but that's why i focus on the good stuff because that has stuff that sets it apart and there's still some right. there's also some really great guitar playing on, on the new order records yeah i mean i think i think that is kind mm -hmm. of a fair cop that you know i mean there is a lot of stuff that does kind of sound samey i mean and and i think and i i i think a lot of times i mean with like the i i think they're like with some bands like you know say new order who i you know whom i love of course but i mean there is like kind of this kind of weird nebulous quality that is really kind of hard to put into put into terms where it's sort of like you can kind of kind of sort of tell that they're the guys who are are the they're the ones being ripped off rather than the ones ripping, doing the ripping off. Hmm. Cause I mean, like there's a, there, I mean, there's a lot of, you know, I mean like, you know, shitty, you know, synth pop type of, you know, acts who, you know, are more along the lines of like ripping off the bigger ones. You know, it's like, you know, I mean, sometimes you can like listen to something and go like, Oh, these people want to be Depeche mode or, or, or whatever, you know? And, so I mean they 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 might sound a lot like you know Depeche Mode or New Order, but they're just kind of missing that it quality, I guess. And I mean I know that that's that's kind of a cop out explanation, but it's it's one where I mean it it is kind of hard because I mean like I, I mean like if you like listen to like you know say Aha, um, aside from you know like Take on Me, which is a really great song, or um, even um, The Sun Always Shines on TV, which is also a pretty good song. A lot of their stuff just sounds kind of generic, at least at least to me anyway. And but it's it's like like it's again it's kind of in that sort of I I, I don't know. There's nothing necessarily that like make, jumps out and makes me go like ah yes this is boring and shitty. It's just sort of goes like I just kind of go oh huh. Hmm. Where New Order 
you know, or, or, you know, other synth pop bands that I do, that I really enjoy don't trigger that, oh, okay, kind of response, you know, and I, and I, I know a lot of that, I guess, is just kind of taste, but it's, yeah, I don't know. It's, I think too, it's kind of knowing the history and, and that kind of thing too, just through listening to a bunch of synth pop records, you, once you start listening to them, like, I mean, assuming that you enjoy them, which mm-hmm. is sort of like a prerequisite, because I'm not going to say, you know, listen to a bunch of records that you hate, and then you will figure out where all of these bands that you hate fit together. <laughs> <laughs> but I mean, it's like you, you, you know, if, if you, you know, you, you end up kind of picking up an ear for it, you know? Yeah. And it's just sort of like, you can kind of, you know, pick up like a random synth pop record and you know, whether or not you like it, you can kind of figure out where it's slotting in, you know, mm-hmm. and you can tell, yeah. And I think too, is like you, you begin to get like some of the, the subtleties and the changes in sounds and stuff. And you can kind of go say, you know, okay, you know, even, even though these guys suck, they're, they're trying something different versus even though these guys suck, they're, they're basically a carbon copy of new order or whatever, or mm-hmm. these guys are actually a pretty good carbon copy of new order. Yeah. Yeah, I think you're right. I think um, even though, I mean, I like the sound of, of synthesizers and, you know, a lot of the, the 80s Rush records get a lot of flack for being very keyboard and synth driven. Um, but I can appreciate those and, and the, sound, the sounds that they get out of them. But I think when it comes to dedicated synth pop records, I don't have the ear for it that you guys do. So it's hard for me to kind of to sort of um, penetrate the genre in a way where I can distinguish you know, what is good synth pop and what is bad synth pop. Cause for me, it all kind of sounds like synth pop. Um, <laughs> well, so another- I'm sure my education will continue as yeah. this podcast does. Well, I'll help <laughs> a little bit with that right now. Actually, one thing you need to, that I think needs to be brought up if we're talking about the generic synth pop sound is the sort of the shift from analog synthesizers to digital ones. Mm-hmm. Okay. And cause a lot of digital, a lot of bands that use digital synthesizers basically used a lot of preset sounds that came with the machines. Mm hmm. And so you'll hear the same fucking sound on, you know, five records. It's like, oh, okay. okay, we get, okay, so you have a Yamaha DX7, you have a Yamaha DX7, you have a Yamaha DX7. That doesn't mean you can't make it sound different. You're just lazy. Exactly, yeah. And I mean, it. I, I've never been a fan of the, the 80s, 90s digital synth sound anyway, because um, kind of what Rich was talking about with Devo is where they were kind of getting like, weird sounds that didn't really sound like any instrument a lot of times the digital sounds sound kind of like plastic versions of real instruments yeah and that's that's no good yeah i mean like you know you get kind of like plastic sounding strings or god forbid the the plastic horns like horns are very hard to do on a synthesizer for whatever weird reason Mm-hmm. And they almost always sound like shit. <laughs> like even on like even on like artists that I do like. I mean like like for example like um, you know going back to Weird Al for example on uh, his Oingo Boingo par- uh, style parody you make me off of even worse. It's a great song, but it, I really wish that they'd sprung for a horn section instead of doing the the really lousy synth horns because they kind of bring the song down. Mm. And uh, see also the uh, the opening horns on Shout. Yeah. Oh, that one doesn't bother me as much because they still have at least a little bit of synth quality to them, like where it's pretty clear that they're not necessarily trying to be a specific horn. But it, but yeah, it's like not as offensive as some some fake horns that I've heard. But yeah, mm-hmm. I can I can kind of still see lumping them in in that category. Yeah. So. I've been actually looking, like, working half-heartedly as a side-side-side project of, like, this basically, like, beginner's guide to synth-pop music and just, like, recommending a couple albums uh, from different so- of different eras of synth-pop stuff. Um, so, yeah, because it, it is, like, a, a thing of mine. Um, you know, like, just checking out, you know, starting with, say, like, crop. Craftwork, the replicas by Two Way Army, Dare by the Human League, because that's just really, that's when it's still a lot of the stuff is analog synthesizers and people are actually trying. You have to like create sounds, so. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and I mean, I think that's kind of the important thing with synth pop is that 
not only doing music that's you know creative but also sound design and with the with a lot of times with the digital sense you just didn't get that they just you know turn on preset 77 and go to town and it would suck <laughs> yeah, so uh, what do you think of what do you think of low life as oh. a, as a new as a new order fan Matt? um basically yeah it's 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 kind of funny because like like you were saying, I mean, to me, this is like the first New Order record as opposed to like, you know, Joy Division Part 2. And honestly, like for me, like I think New Order is a way better band than Joy Division. Like Joy Division's okay, but like New Order is where it's at. And I, I know that that's kind of an unpopular opinion, but, but, but you know, fuck the police. <laughs> <laughs> well, I'm not, uh, a fan, I'm not a fan of the police at, at, at all. You know, Sting's <laughs> voice just annoys the hell out of me. <laughs> but yeah, I mean, I, I really liked um, like uh, Low Life. Um, although oddly enough, and I, again, we might be getting into unpopular unpopular ter- uh, opinion territory. But my favorite New Order record might actually be um, the most recent uh, "Waiting for the Sirens Call." Okay, I haven't checked out the new stuff. That that one is really really good. I mean, there's like some of the newer stuff is like a uh, between you know that album and you know say. I I don't know um, maybe Republic I guess kind of in that between those there are some that are kind of oh okay you know where they're not bad but they're not really great either but like uh, waiting for the sirens call really leaps out at me and <clears throat> I really dig that one and it also says no on the cover in big letters so <laughs> I kind of like that too but yeah I I I, I dig New Order and since to me this is like kind of the the beginning of New Order proper, I I just really, really enjoy it, and yeah, it's I think it's a great record, and I think y'all should have it. Okay, so I guess that moves us on to uh, to Sufjan Stevens, right? Sufjan. Sufjan. I, I can I never knew how to pronounce it. Sufjan. <laughs> Believe it's the soft J. Sufjan. Sufjan. Yes. So my uh, pick this week is Sufjan Stevens' uh, Illinois album also known as Come On, Feel, Feel the Illinois. And this, I decided it was finally time for me to slap you guys in the face with a 75-minute <laughs> monster album. Um, fair is fair. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, this is a record that, <clears throat> well, why don't we play the, uh, the track that I pick, picked first. Um, I decided to go with Chicago, and uh, we can play that for the folks now. Drove to Chicago All things known All things known We sold our clothes to the state I don't mind I don't mind I made a lot of mistakes In my mind In my mind You came to take us All things known So this is a record, and uh, obviously this is a record, period. And this is a record that I uh, discovered in my senior year, I believe, of high school, because I think it came out, I haven't even looked at the Wikipedia page in preparation for this, but um, it came out close to the end of my, say again? Was it 2005, 2006? I think it was 2005. Yeah. Um, That would make sense, because that's when I graduated high school. And... I just remember it kind of has some some personal nostalgia for me because I was I left uh, my girlfriend's house at the time and uh, I didn't feel like going home for whatever reason so I I drove around. this was one of the first times that I just kind of went joyriding for for a long time and uh, at some point I ended up putting on this record for the first time and I was listening to it uh, as the sun sort of came up and. Uh, people started to wake up and, and go about their lives, which kind of uh, associated some some sensory memories with it for me. Um, but it's just, a, I have all of the entire Sufjan discography up to this point, and this record in particular, I would still say, is the, the sort of pinnacle of his, of his career so far. Um, and I think you can tell just from the first notes of uh, concerning the UFO sighting near Highland, Illinois, that this is going to be an amazing sort of record. And, uh, you know, it's so big and lush that it's kind of hard to 
to say definitively why. Um, you know, the album is is about the state of Illinois and uh, Illinois, and uh, you know, different aspects of its history and and that sort of thing. And it's just very gorgeous and orchestral and sweeping without being exhausting, uh, if that makes sense. And you know, it's just an amazing. Uh, piece of music and and Chicago in particular is just a great a great road trip song uh in my opinion and uh, I think it was in featured in Little Miss Sunshine the movie and uh yeah I don't know I just love it um for many different reasons uh so I know Matt you're a fan also so maybe you can help me articulate the awesomeness that is Come on Philly Illinois if you don't mind yeah I I just love this record um basically for me um when uh, a little a bit before it came out, um, Chicago and uh, Casimir Puliaski Day had been like sort of released as teasers, and, mm-hmm. and uh, basically a, a a blog that I used to run like or co-run actually. I, I I was you know one of the authors. I I didn't found it, but um, called Owl Stretching Time, which was founded by my friend Lee. Um, he he had posted those, and I was like, and Lee and I have like pretty similar tastes, you know, and uh, we ended, and I ended up like downloading it, and I was like just completely just gobsmacked by these mm-hmm. things. I mean, it's like 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 you say when you you know you put it on, and you know the opening bit of uh, concerning the UFO sighting comes on, and you like you go, okay, I'm in for something awesome. Yeah, it, that was like, basically the same thing from like the first notes of like Chicago. Mm-hmm. I mean, Chicago is just a mind-blowingly good song, and I mean it—it it, it just so amazing. And but yeah, it 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 the even though it's very like orchestral and or and like pretty heavily orchestrated, it's not. It there's this kind of pleasing like kind of indie quality to it too, where like even though it's very heavily orchestrated, it doesn't. It doesn't feel like it's had the life sucked out of it. Like it's, it, it almost has that kind of weird, hey, let's put on a show kind of quality to it. Yeah. And I mean, and again, we're getting kind of into the, the nebulous sides of how music makes us feel versus, you know, like, you know, hard and fast things that we can point to, like the use of the, the, the major fifth in this, you know, bar, you know, or whatever. <laughs> but yeah, it's just an, amazing record and basically as soon as like i had heard um chicago and casimir polyaski day i was like okay i'm getting this record and ended up like going to the record store the day that it came out which was like two or three weeks later and buying it and just like putting it on and being like this is amazing yeah and i i I think i do think the album can get a little long and a little meandery sometimes Mm -hmm. um but like again it's sort of you know, it's 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 hard, and I, I there's a, a companion volume uh, called the Avalanche, which is basically the stuff that was like sort of, you know, cut off of uh, Illinois. And I ended up like putting together like for a friend of mine who was kind of she had heard of Chicago or or no she'd heard a reference to Chicago in a Snow Patrol song, um, and she was curious about it and she asked me about it. I was like, oh God, yes, I have this album, you know, and so I kind of put it together for her. Um, and gave her the disc and I've, I'll, I'll throw the link to my reduced version in the show notes. Uh, but she was like, Oh my God, this is absolutely amazing. And I ended up giving her, uh, my copies of the real records as well. Yeah. So she could have, you know, the complete thing. But I mean, I figured that was, that would be a good, a, a good intro to an album. That's already a good intro, I guess, honestly, <laughs> mm. but there are some like really good things off of like, um, avalanche too, including like, Three or four different versions of Chicago. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> the adult contemporary version. Yes, and but, such. Yeah, and but I another thing I do want to kind of talk about this record too. Um, and I don't know, maybe we should get let Rich talk and then come back. I don't know, but um, the I mean, Sufjan Stevens is um, Christian and very very devout, from what I understand. Mm-hmm. And a lot of his work that informs that. And I mean, there's a lot of. Like, I mean, I think you could even kind of make the argument like Illinois uh, or Illinois is a um, Christian pop record, but a, a really, really good one. And one of the things that I do, I love about it is that unlike a lot of, you know, CCM kind of music, it, it struggles with the more 
difficult aspects of faith. Like, I mean, you have like Casimir Pulaski Day, mm-hmm. which is about, you know, his um, like teenage girlfriend dying of cancer. Yeah. And there's a lot of, you know, dealing with, you know, what kind of God would do this kind of thing. And there's that kind, there's, I mean, there, there's struggle there rather than just, you know, oh, God is awesome and great and, and Jesus kicks ass and whatever, you know. It's, it's a lot of the struggles of faith that I find very, very interesting. Yeah. Rather than just, you know, cheerleading. And I mean, that, that's something that, that, that does come up a, a lot. I mean, on, on uh, well, Sufjan's work anyway, but I mean, especially, especially uh, Illinois, I think. Yeah. The, um, you know, I don't know how much of the, of the rest of his discography you're familiar with, Matt, but it's like Seven Swans in particular is uh, very, I should say, more kind of explicitly Christian. Because even looking, you know, looking through the album titles, the song titles, you can't really, it's not so blatantly religious. Mm-hmm. Um, but it do- definitely, like you said, informs his, his writing. But if you take a look at, at Seven Swans, you know, you have the devils in the devil's territory and Abraham and, and that sort of thing. And, uh, but even still, you know, I'm not a particularly religious man, but, um, still even on Seven Swans, the way he handles it, uh, is just, um, beautiful. So we should let Rich talk. Yeah. (laughs) But yeah, it's just very mature is what I I think. Right. Yeah. It's interesting discussion. Um, subtle. Yeah. Um, I'm going to say my piece about the, uh, the, the Christianity thing, too, uh, if that's okay. Um, mm-hmm. I remember I used to be pretty, uh, well, not pretty active, but like I used to like follow some atheist communities back in the day. Um, yeah, I'm a, I'm a very devout non-believer. And there are there's this attitude among some atheists that, oh, if it's you know, all Christian-related music is, is terrible. And, you know, I, I, I found out that, artist X is a Christian, you know, I can't listen to their music, and every time I hear someone say that, it just makes me want to jump through the internet and, and, and punch them, because, you know, you're, you're denying yourself really good music, I mean, there is, there's terrible for music, for a stupid of, reason, <laughs> for a stupid reason, yeah, and, there, I mean, there's terrible music that, uh, done under the idea of Christianity, but there's terrible music done under the, uh, all sorts of auspices, so, you know, uh, I think the actual the interesting question I was thinking of is uh, Bell and Sebastian, which uh, you know Stuart Stuart Murdoch, yeah, yeah, who is very 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 devout Christian, and some of the stuff in Bell and Sebastian's music talks about Christianity and faith, and it's never be I'm going to beat you over the head with my faith. It's more just yeah, it this influences me and it's going to end up in a song, and I yeah. can't have any problem with that, especially if it's done well and. I'll be honest, I didn't really notice much of the Christian influence on Illinois. I might not have been paying attention for it, but I'm okay with that. I I think it's okay. I'm, I, it's such a well-created well album, and it's not, you know, there's a difference between writing music that is Christian-influenced and writing music that is designed to influence you into becoming a Christian. Right. I'm not in favor of any kind of song, of any music that's, trying to convert you to one side or another of any decision of any, of any, you know, philosophical divide like that, because I just, I think polemics have their place and I just don't like music that is explicitly on one side of a a polemic argument. Yeah. There's definitely a, a discrepancy there between the, I can't think of the words to describe it, but the, the music that is influenced by versus the music that is intended to persuade you. Uh, yeah. into believing and even i'm looking at the uh the wikipedia page for seven swans which like i said is kind of more explicitly christian but even just reading the the explanations of the christian influences it says many of the songs on seven swans tell stories directly from the bible so like the first track all the trees of the field will clap their hands is a reference to isaiah 55 12 is that how you say that where isaiah says you will go out in joy and be led forth in peace the mountains and hills will burst into song before you and all the trees of the field will clap their hands and like there's nothing really explicitly christian about that in the sense like of you know explicitly saying follow jesus you know that's a kind of a, a beautiful image that all of the trees of the field will clap their hands and it just happens to be found in a religious text so well, yeah Basically, get over yourself, and if the music, if you enjoy the music, you know, you, you enjoy the music, and that's the most important thing. 
and mm-hmm. yeah, I, I've had this. I had this album too, by the way, uh, Illinois. I, I don't have the Avalanche, but I do. Ha- I did have Illinois already, so that that saved me a step. <laughs> <laughs> and it's been a while since I listened to it. Um, I enjoy the record, but there's just so much of it, and it's so lush. There's so much happening that it's it's it is a hard album to put on and give a, a sustained listen to. Mm-hmm. So, but it was it was nice to finally sitting down with us again. Uh, I was pleasantly surprised at how lush it was, and I, I was just while you were Matt were talking, I was looking at the Wikipedia article on the album. And I was very surprised to find out that it was most of the instrumentation, including a lot of those big orchestral passages, were recorded by oh, how the hell you pronounce his name again? Sufjan. Sufjan by Sufjan, <laughs> Mr. Stevens by Mr. <laughs> Steve by Mr. Stevens on multi-track, specifically you know just like eight-track tape recorders. It, you don't. It doesn't sound like it was recorded in this like lo-fi way. Yeah, I mean that's. I mean the. The album is very well produced. I mean, especially for being basically kind of a, a basement album, you know. I mean, it, it is sort of a here's one guy with his eight track, but it doesn't sound like one guy with his eight track. Mm-hmm. See, yeah, it's it, that that's it's so, there's so much happening. I, tell us, John, Suf John, Suf John, Suf Jan, <laughs> Stevie Steve. <laughs> Um, I haven't really checked out much of his other stuff. Illinois is the only album I have. I, I've heard good things about the Age of Ads. Um, I haven't been able to get into that one yet myself. <clears throat> so, I'm, if you it, were going to go to an to another album from Illinois, I would recommend going to Michigan from there, which is another the other sort of state oriented album of his, uh, which is kind of equally is it the same length? Uh, it's about ten minutes shorter. Um, but it's but equally e- sprawling. <laughs> yeah, equally sprawling, uh, equally gorgeous. I would say, um, perhaps, perhaps not. It feels like Michigan came before Illinois. Illinois feels more uh, mature, I guess, or a little bit more experienced, perhaps. But still, when I go to put on Sufjan, ninety percent of the time I'm putting on Michigan or uh, Illinois. Okay, something to consider. Uh, and looking at the Wikipedia article on Michigan now as well. So. Yeah, what's my favorite? I think it's the second song, All the Good Naysayers. All good, yeah, All Good Naysayers, Speak Up, or Forever Hold Your Peace. This, this, this man loves his long titles. <laughs> yes. <laughs> he is a fan of the long titles, and I think this is it. And I think I, yeah, that was right there. I put the Night Zombies one on that long title disc, too, so. Yeah, Night Zombies is good. Yeah, All the Good Naysayers is just <laughs> a, a great example of of a Sufjan song. It's so, um, I don't even know how to describe it. Are you familiar with Michigan, Matt? Um, not as much, but yeah, I've got, I've got that one. I've got seven swans. I've got age of ads and I can't remember if I have the one about the long Island expressway or not. I don't think I have that one yet. Yeah. Uh, I don't have BQE actually. Or BQE. Okay. Now that you mention it, right? Yeah. Yeah. I, I <laughs> should get, I should get the BQE one because you know, I'm, I'm living near that now. Yeah. I, I think it's like kind of funny where like that almost sounds like a joke, you know, like, you know, that, oh yeah, he did an album about the Long Island Expressway, mm-hmm. <laughs> you know, no, no, the, the, yeah. the Brooklyn Queens Expressway or Brooklyn Queens. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. Yeah. I, I was thinking that there's a movie called like lie called this base is L I E off of Long Island Expressway rather than, you know, lie. Yeah. Yeah. But anyway. I just put, uh, I just put a link to all good naysayers and into the robot for you guys. And this is just another example of as soon as you hit play and you hear those first few notes, it's just like, oh my gosh, this is something special. <clears throat> yeah, I, I, yeah, I mean, it's just his stuff is just amazing. I mean, and, and yeah, it's I, I, because I, I, I kind of like what Rich was saying too about like kind of the atheist form because I, I too am a, a devout non-believer, and I mean. It's, Rich and I are both like sub genii, so you know, but I mean there is like this really kind of knee jerk Christianity bad <laughs> kind of thing from certain aspects of the atheist communities, and that just gets to me so much because it's so fucking dumb. It's a large reason of why I've stopped being involved with atheist communities. Yeah, yeah, same here. I mean it's like it's yeah, you just get that, and it's like sort of like, well, that's funny because I mean, I've I've known a lot of Christians who are awesome people, and I've known a lot of you know Christian artists who are 
you know, make really great art. And and that also too is like ninety nine percent of the the you know Christian population, pretty cool people who aren't aren't following what the the loudmouth idiots say. You know, it's very much a vocal minority. And I'm, I'm uh, almost certain too, it's a vocal minority among atheists. But that's well, that too, yes, yes. But it's it's annoying as it's it's still annoying as all fuck. Yeah, Get over yeah. yourself, people. Yeah, basically, if you're one of the vocal minority, shut the fuck up. No matter what, what, what side of the fence you're on. If you're one of the ones who are like, no, gay people are bad, then shut the fuck up. And if you're no, Christian people are bad, shut the fuck up because you're both the same. No matter how much you don't want to accept that, mm-hmm. <laughs> you're the same fucking person, just pointing at the wrong direction or wrong directions, and you both need to shut the fuck up. Read a damn book. <laughs> You're listening to Crush on Philosophy. <laughs> <laughs> I got opinions. <laughs> I don't know if there's anything else uh, we, want, we want to talk about, but uh, I didn't really have a topic for this week. <laughs> I don't know. Yeah, yeah. that's well, okay. Maybe, I mean, are there any other artists you can think of where you might disagree with them, but still. And I mean, I don't even know if, if we really disagree with, you know, Sufjan Stevens, because I mean, it seems like a lot of his Christianity is, you know, the be a good person type. And I think that that's a fair, that's, I, I'm, I'm pro being a good person, you know? Yeah. Yes. I mean, the only thing I can think of is is uh, the, the crack I made about eating a, a turkey leg at a Morrissey concert. And it's not because I have a problem with vegetarians. I just have a problem with Morrissey. Yeah. Yeah. And I mean, I like, I, I, I do have like, like I, I do enjoy a lot of Morrissey songs. I mean, even even Post Smiths, which kind of does make me go, ah, god damn it, you know, just because Morrissey himself is such a colossal douchebag. <laughs> I mean, honestly, like we, you know, I know that we were kind of talking about like you know John Mayer being a douchebag before, but mm. but you know, I mean, the more if you compare Morrissey to John Mayer, I think even the the most you know John Mayer hater. Like is gonna be like, yeah, dude's a fucking saint, because <laughs> you know John Mayer never said you know good things about like a uh, shooting up a Norwegian school or uh, you know anything anything you know quite that bad. And I don't think you know John Mayer is like you know incredibly racist like Morrissey is, or you know all of those things that make Morrissey such a joy to be around. Uh, well, at least. I will say this: at least the Smiths gave us "House Is Now," which is a cool song. Oh yeah, 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 and and I mean, yeah, it's, I mean, again, like I, I'm totally in the Morrissey is talented camp. I mean, I, I'm not, I'm not going to fight on that one. It's just that I, I just, I've off, yeah, I, I just wish he'd shut up a lot because it's sort of like he is such a colossal douche. <laughs> mm-hmm. Crush on Morrissey. <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah, I, I can't think of anything else, but uh, yeah, I think we're good. That was a good, uh, good show. Yeah, and uh, yeah. Since next, our next episode will be coming out the Monday before Halloween. Maybe we should do that scary songs topic. See yeah, that's that's what, scary. That, that's what I'm hoping for is is doing a very scary kids kind of of show where all of our picks are are, are scary stuff that that we did. You know. Well, maybe Might we'll be do able that. To do that. Yeah. So. So keep your ears peeled. Yes, yeah, keep your ears peeled next week for scary stuff. In the meantime, where can we find you, Sean, online? Online? Yeah. The internet. Yeah. <laughs> you just Google Andrew Marvin, and that will elucidate the answers to the universe. <laughs> or you go to andrewmarvin.net or follow at Andrew Marvin on Twitter. Okay. And, uh, oh, oh go on, Matt. Okay, we always do this, too. We should, we should actually, like, we figure should have a, out a defined some... order. Yeah, yeah, because we're always, like, stumbling over each other on this one. <laughs> <laughs> um, kittysneezes.com K-I-T-T-Y-S-N-E-E-Z-E-S dot com or uh, on same thing Kitty Sneezes on Twitter and Tumblr and um, all that all that crap mm-hmm. and uh, I'm sandspoint.com S-A-N as in Nancy S-P-O-I-N-T that's also uh, my Twitter and uh, among everything else you can probably think of with as that as well and it's N as in Nancy, not M as in Nancy. Yes. <laughs> and of course, we are. Oh dear. <laughs> On the radio. 
When we answer in the affirmative, we say Roger. <laughs> That's one of my favorite scenes in the whole show. Yeah. On the blimp. A lot of Jesus, the helium. <laughs> oh, God. All right. Anyway, <laughs> when we run out of topic, we just devolve, devolve into Archer quotes. So. Yes. Oh, boy. <laughs> yeah, I'm going to. Uh, yeah. I, I've got to finally have to sit down and watch that show on Tuesdays, aren't I? Okay. Um, and we are, of course, Crush on Radio, crushonradio.com, Crush on Radio on the Twitter, and we're going to on the see Facebook. it on the Facebook, on, which on we the don't the really do much with. And uh, we're also on the iTunes. So, you know, by all means, rate us, review us, love us. We love you, after all. Pet us. We're kitties. Yeah. Uh, all right. Nice talk with you guys, as always. <laughs> Good show. Oh, okay. <laughs> Bye-bye. Bye. Bye.